But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. If you were here last weekend, you know that the presiding bishop was with us, and he offered a stirring exhortation to witness and testify. It's kind of nice that this week the passage in the gospel is about Luke calling fishers of people. As I thought about last week and as I thought about this week and its passages, I found myself captivated by a single arresting phrase in today's epistle. This is what Paul says is of first importance in the message he wants to proclaim. Christ died for sinners in accordance with the scriptures. Christ died for sinners in accordance with the scriptures. So, in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, well, we could go all over the Old Testament, but we'll just stay with Isaiah, today's prophet. Isaiah describes our basic condition. Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. And Isaiah has a line a word about what God has done about it. Now that this live coal has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Verse 7. Isaiah later in chapter 64 describes our condition more. We have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Also in Isaiah 53, he describes our condition and what God has done about it. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. In accordance with the scriptures, indeed, Christ died for our sins. Then there's the New Testament, today's passage. Peter says, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. Then later, in 1 Peter 3, he writes about what Christ has done for that. <laughs> Excuse me. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, John says, If any one sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the perfect offering for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Okay, we're Episcopalians. A, we don't really like this sin thing. And B, we have this worship book. And our theology is really in our worship and our prayers. So, as was asked last week, 
Is it in the Book of Common Prayer? Well, let's start with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit, dot, 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 the forgiveness of sins. The Nicene Creed that we will confess momentarily. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Our absolution. Almighty God, have mercy on you. Forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Today's Eucharistic prayer gives thanks that through Christ we have been brought out of sin into righteousness. The words of institution, this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. The collect for Friday in Easter week, Almighty Father who gave your only Son to die for our sins and to rise for our justification. And the preface for Holy Week, through Jesus Christ our Lord, for our sins he was lifted high upon the cross that he might draw the whole world to himself. From today's collect, set us free, O God, from the bondage of our sins. Oh, we got to look at the catechism too. What is the inward and spiritual? What is the inward and spiritual grace in baptism? The inward and spiritual grace in baptism is union with Christ in his death and resurrection, birth into God's family, the church, forgiveness of sins, new life in the Holy Spirit. And this sweet portion of the evening prayer that we may be pardoned and forgiven for our sins and offenses. We entreat you, O Lord. What is it that we testify to? What is it that we bear witness to? Christ died for our sins. Friends, that is really good news. Why is that such good news? Because of what is on offer in his death for our sins. Forgiveness. Let's go at this through the back door. What happens when that offer is widely ignored or rejected? Hear these words from Alan Jacobs, Baylor University professor of English. When a society rejects the Christian account of who we are, that is, sinners in need of God's grace, sinners who can be redeemed and forgiven, when a society rejects the Christian account of who we are, it doesn't become less moralistic, but far more so, because it retains an inchoate sense of justice, but has no means of offering and receiving forgiveness. The great moral crisis of our time is not, as many of my fellow Christians believe, sexual licentiousness but rather vindictiveness. Social media serve as crack for moralists. There's no high like the high you get from punishing malefactors. But like every addiction, this one suffers from the inexorable law of diminishing returns. The mania for punishment will therefore get worse before it gets better. Or as David Brooks 
New York Times op-ed columnist says, we're living in a calling out culture. The sad reality is people who don't know they need to be forgiven, don't know how to acknowledge their sin and have it resolved and taken care of, or who don't think they can be forgiven or need to be forgiven, have no capacity to forgive. And maybe that's the biggest need of our day. Maybe that's why the gospel is such good news that penetrates people's hearts. The alternative to a vindictive, calling-out culture is what Paul learned on the road to Damascus. The greatest persecutor of the church, who refers to himself as one untimely born, is so overwhelmed with the grace of forgiveness. And note that he uses the word grace three times in today's epistle. He is so overwhelmed with the grace of forgiveness that he works harder than anybody to tell the good news. The alternative to a vindictive calling out culture is what Martin Luther King Jr. learns in jail in Birmingham. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a constant attitude. The alternative to a vindictive calling out culture is what the remarkable Dutch woman, Corrie ten Boom, learns from her experience in a German concentration camp in Germany during World War II. Her story is familiar to so many people. After the war, Corrie ten Boom founds a home for survivors in Holland of Nazi brutality. And she travels extensively speaking about reconciliation and forgiveness. At one such event in Munich, Germany in 1947, she recalls talking about God throwing our sins into the sea. She said, when we confess our sins, God casts them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. And even though I cannot find a scripture for it, I believe God then places a sign out there and says in capital letters, no fishing allowed. After the talk, a man approaches her whom she immediately recognizes. He had been one of the most brutal guards in that camp. All the horrible memories come back to her. The humiliation, the starvation, the death of her sister. He clearly doesn't recognize her. He tells her that he had been a guard at the very prison she had been talking about, but has gone on to become a Christian. He extends his hand to her and says, I know that God has forgiven me for the terrible things I did there, 
but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fräulein, will you forgive me? Can she indeed? As he stands there with his hand extended for what seems like an eternity to her, but can have only been a few seconds, she thinks about it. She remembers Jesus saying, if you do not forgive men their trespasses. And she realizes that the survivors she works with who cannot forgive the evil done to them remain imprisoned and incapacitated. The ones who can forgive find the capacity to rebuild their lives. She accepts his outstretched hand, feels, feel, feels like an electric current running down her arm from shoulder to the hand. She begins to weep and answers, I forgive you, brother, with all my heart. Here, indeed, is good news. Here is the alternative to a vindictive calling out culture. Here is something to testify to and to bear witness to. As C.S. Lewis said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. If you're here today, and you do not yet know the utter joy of Christ taking all your sins upon himself and dying for them in your place, and then of God throwing your sins into the bottom of the sea and posting a no fishing allowed sign, all you have to do is ask. It really is as simple as that. You can do it now. You can ask one of us to help you with the words. And if you have received this forgiveness, rejoice in it. Freely forgive and tell the good news. Witness and testify. Witness and testify. It's amazingly good news. It really and truly is. Amen.